welcome and you're listening to the You Are Not Alone podcast series created to provide support to the special educational needs community in Brent and beyond. This is a Jason Roberts Foundation production. In this special edition of the You Are Not Alone podcast series, we are talking and sharing with Keisha Phillips, coordinator of the Jason Roberts Foundation SEN programs in Grenada. We hope you enjoy. Yeah, just, um, I mean, Keisha, a major part of the foundation over uh, a number of years, a fantastic skill set. But, you know, I just wanted to introduce uh, what she's doing, the work she's done with the foundation, the work she's done across SEN. And um, I know Jonathan spent some time with her in Grenada also about four years ago, or three years ago, actually. Um, so, you know, just delighted to have, have her on from a Grenada perspective, just to see how, how people are coping over there, how, how work is, what's the lockdown look like over there, and how are children and families with kids with SEN coping? Before I go into that, um, again, my name is Keisha Phillip. I've um, worked at the Grenada School for Special Education for four and a half to five years. Been doing physical education with the special needs children there at the school. Um, presently, I'm working on the program called Cognitive Delay Assessment and Support. Um, which is basically for special needs children. Um, presently, um, what I'm doing now on that program, because of the COVID-19 and I'm limited to movement, because we're on coffee over here right now, I'm facilitating a teacher support group for the special needs teachers and a parent support group for parents um, or children with special needs. Um, a lot of, although I have the group online that I tend to daily, most of the time, I do a lot of phone calls to the parents. So we're basically just supporting the parents as to, you know, what resource they may need, you know, what help they may need with the children. And, you know, even for themselves and find whatever resources they may need, even if it's for support with food um, resources, you know, where they can get certain things on the island to help them or assist them. Um, I've just, I've done, I don't know if you guys know about Handle. So Handle is a holistic approach to neurodevelopment, learning and efficiency. So I've done the level one and level two in that um, course, and I'm finishing up the level three presently. I'm on my last bit of it. It's a really great program and it allows you to screen children. Um, it's based on the different senses and different senses and system in the body that can tell you or help you with the different um, um, difficulty that a child may be having. For example, if they're having proprioceptive input, um, muscle tone, issue, tactility, um, auditory, visual, whatever system is not working properly for them that is um, causing that barrier for them to learn. So I'm finishing up that program presently, the level three of that program. Um, on the island presently, um, everyone is at home. We're on curfew. The curfew starts at 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. in the morning. 
presently we're on three days we are we are allowed three days sorry three days to go out and shop and do what is necessary um as the paying bills and getting food stuff like that within the hours of 5 a.m to 7 p.m however the shops and stores are open from eight to eight to five so you have within that time to get your stuff, but you have up to seven to get home. I'm oh, sorry, Keisha, in terms of um, the course that you're doing, was that uh, something provided by one of the ministries in Grenada or was it a private course? It's a private course. It's a private course. Um, that course is it's done um, from the U.S. So I did most of it here on the island and then the rest is done online. We allowed some of the teachers to take the courses as well. And with a teacher support group right now, um, I have, I think it's eight teachers right now would start the course, the level one course on Thursday. Um, next month or probably two weeks after another batch of teachers would do the level one. Any questions for Keisha, uh, Keisha group? Keisha, in, uh, good to see you again. It's been a, a couple of years, a year or two. Um, you, okay. uh, a lot older now I look on, I <laughs> the camera adds 10 pounds in 20 years i think in terms of the support group um, is it mainly st george's or is it all across the parishes where you've got the support group um networked in at the moment or is it pretty localized to sort of your parish no it's for the three schools all over the parish um okay. the teacher support group is from each of the schools not all of them um the parents that i have presently from st george's and Victoria, but it's still growing because I had eight parents from Victoria from that I got this week, this yeah. week, Monday. And I think I'll have it over. It's not just from St. George's. Okay. Is um, there anything similar over Grenville side or is it pretty much hard, sort of hard to communicate across Ireland at the minute? It's a bit hard. So what I'm doing presently is trying to communicate between the principal and the teachers. The teachers are the one really giving me the names for the parents. The teachers are the one sending the information for the parents over to me. Okay, perfect. Perfect. It's um, just from my time out there, I know how important your network is out there, especially with um, the likes of the kids at St. George's, how sort of the relationship you built with them um, is key. Mm -hmm. Um, what about people over 18? So people with disabilities over 18, the older age group, is there, are they sort of known as a, a oh. common, uh, hard, harder to reach group sort of thing? They are a bit harder to reach because one, they would have left the schools. The principal don't really have an idea as to where they are. They have an idea of some of them. Like, for example, there's one parent on the group, her daughter is 18, 19, somewhere around there. Um, she's on the group with us, that parent, so she gets whatever assistance, whatever resources that we need. Okay, perfect. In terms of delivery, um, Keisha, how, how many of there are you on the ground? You know, in terms of, have you got a team that you're, you're working with or is it engaging and repurposing, repurposing the schools that you're working with? Well, that is a great question. I, Michael, so presently it's just me. 
one right. working um, on that program. I'm still trying to build on the volunteer group. Volunteers are really hard to find here in Grenada. And some of the most of the volunteers on the group are teachers. So I have some of the teachers on the chat. Yeah, so presently, as he said, I'm the only one on the ground. The volunteers are really hard to find on the island. The teachers, most of the volunteers are teachers, but they have classes teaching during the day. And if they're not teaching it because they're preparing or they have children at home assistance, so it's difficult, it's sort of hard. Um, the volunteers that are able, I only have three right now. We're just making phone calls or if I need something research on, they'll help me, you know, pull that up. But basically it's me at the time. I've, I've got a question for you. So in terms of, from what you know, and the family that you're reaching out to, um, what are they currently doing exercise-wise or what are, they actually, what are they actually doing? And is there anything that, you know, we might be able to help with? I mean, just for your information, in the room, mm -hmm. we've got you know people who are sports specialists across different sports. Um, mm -hmm. You know, um, Kai and John and, and Richard is up here. You have a parent, um, David, uh, of an autistic uh, son mm -hmm. uh, in London. You know, is uh, mm -hmm. you know it's experiencing what's happening today. And then we've got uh, two head teachers or three head teachers, uh, for one former head teacher, but three head teachers in the room um, in terms of you know that experience. So you know, feel free. Uh, to kind of ask them some questions, um, just based on what I asked you. And I, I went away a little bit, but my, my question was, is we were talking in our last podcast about the types of things that we can do at home or advise the parents to do at home, whether it's through learning or activity or exercise. What, what are you currently hearing from, from, from uh, your point of view over there? Okay, so I know that they keep asking, you know, that persons, we know that they're home. However, we need them to keep fit. However, there's no one to direct that. But I think that would be a great place for you guys to start. Probably, you know, have a program or, you know, assist the ministry. Um, Jenilyn would be happy for that. Even if it's probably just a, a program that the children could follow. Hi, Keisha. It's great to see you. When I came over there in 2017, we, we worked together on developing the PE curriculums over the three SEN schools there. So I just wanted to say to you that, yeah, there's loads of experience within this room and we definitely want to support you with, in every way possible, to support exercise programs for your students. Um, I know when I was over there then, the, the barriers and challenges you were facing. Let me give you an example. When, when I came to one of your schools, I had to deliver a cricket session on a field with goats on and we had 30, maybe 30 pupils in the class compared to eight pupils to 10 we have back in the UK. So really mm -hmm. understand what you're going through. And it was a life-changing experience for me. And since then, I raised some money and we embedded trampolining into the school's curriculum. So I just wanted to quickly touch base and find out how that was going. But also just uh, reiterate the point that, yeah, we definitely want to support you in any way possible. I've seen the trampoline at Victoria, which they tend to use quite often, the children. The limes there, they have not fully set it up. Apparently, they would have put it up and take, taken it down. I don't know why, um, but they're using it. The grounds, 
I'm trying to get the grounds for the Victoria children from the other school because the physical um, activity area is really small and it's really not friendly. Really, really not friendly. So we're trying to see how we can get them to use the bigger field out at the other school. It's really hard, John. It's not much with you being there and, you know, helping. I, I strongly believe that they're still not understanding the importance of play and the importance of exercise and the emphasis that should be placed on it. And I'm taking the opportunity right now while speaking with the, par the um, teachers and the parents to emphasize on that for this month. So the topic for this month was play and love, love and play. So I wanted to touch base on that. In terms of any supporting infrastructure around you, I mentioned earlier in the conversation, the ministries. Are, is there any supporting infrastructure that already exists besides what the foundation is doing? Ministry of Sports is there. I mean, and they would do as much as they can. But I believe that that um, ministry needs a little more training and exposure to special needs. Staff, especially those in the field that will be going out if they're asked to go out, they don't have any idea. For example, I would have asked while I was at the line and they were like, oh, I don't know how to deal with this journey. And I, they think that it will be like just chaos going in there. So I think there needs to be more awareness and courses for some of them. Some of, it's not that they're not willing, they just don't know. So therefore, if we were in this age of like what we're doing now, Zoom conferencing, if we were able to put some kind of learning structures that could be delivered online for the greater good as, a, as an initiative to come out of the foundation in Grenada, that's something mm -hmm. you think that could be welcomed? I believe it will be welcomed. And how did the guys... Had... Go on. Sorry, Keisha. I had persons because I have a think about, I was putting together an Easter camp and there would be some sporting aspects in that Easter camp. And I would have reached out to some of the field workers in the ministry that I know personally. And they took it with open arms, but they were asking, I, so are you going to help us or train us or give us some um, knowledge as to what I'm going to? So I know that they want to. And some of them did say it's something that they want to get into, learning more about special needs in sports. Sorry to drop in there, Mike. Um, yeah, just, of course. Just kind of questions, Keisha. Um, with, with regards to um, engaging with the parents, um, if we were to sort of, as we were, Mike was just saying, to get some form of um, document together or training guidelines of physical education, would the, the, the majority of people be able to access these online or would still a handheld document a physical document delivered be easier um, to, to access the parents and more, more logical um, than creating an online portfolio. Um, and secondly, I know in the time I've been in the Grenada, perception of disabilities changed a lot for the positive. Um, is this still a barrier that we need to go deeper into in the, into the perception of, of disability? Um, not just education, but further in the perception of sports as well, do you think? Sports, yes. I think you would need to go deeper into it and raise a little more awareness. One. Two, the, there's quite a number of persons on the island with access. 
The parents, how many of them, I'm not sure. Um, mm. The persons in the Ministry of Sports, definitely yes. They were to get any training or assistance, definitely yes. Um, some but, of the parents, not all of them, I'm not sure with all of them. It may but, be a bit challenging for some of them, but I would believe most of them have that, that access. So for the parents, if we could get a um, sort of a, a five-page booklet, so to speak, that could also go into the schools, simplified around stretching and games and stuff that could be found around the house. Um, mm -hmm. That that's something that may be worthwhile us looking into, I think. Um, and also, just while I'm thinking about it, what John was saying as well, when we deliver sessions, that was one of the hardest challenges we found was the PE teachers are hard to find, um, and good ones like yourself. They step up the ladder quite quickly and move on to, to bigger and better things. And it's, it's you left volunteering to, to go back in and trying to create a simple, almost like a handheld document, how you would teach maths, but how you would teach games and how you teach stretching and stuff like that might, might be something else yeah. look, worth looking into as well. Keisha made a key point. You know, sometimes there is a need to train the trainer. Giving someone like Keisha the tools is going to be the best way to attack that market. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I'm just from my time and... I think Otis is probably seven, eight years I've been coming out there now. The, the, the initial impact I believe we've had is disabilities now in people's minds. It wasn't back then. Yeah. When I first went out there, disability weren't there. So it's stepping stones. One of the biggest programs we ever had, and I believe Otis will back me up on this as well, is the impact of the Homeless World Cup and those guys who trained and then started going into the schools as well. Um, I believe Glendon's still going into the lines and doing some stuff. Is that right, oh, Keisha? Yeah. Um, Glendon's yeah. still going. So the impact yeah. is there of engaging the youth, educating the youth, and using that platform to engage SEN. Um, and again, it's transition. It's getting people's minds to think, well, there is an, another, another person out there who's different to me. Um, we combat that every day here, but when you've got a blank canvas to move forward, sometimes it's, it's actually nice to have a, a, a phase two approach of what we can move into now with, with disability and engaging Keisha um, I believe is the person to lead this as well uh, and, and really move it forward with us. Can I just right. say as well on, on that Ross, particular yeah. note because obviously we're looking both at Grenada and the UK but I think a lot of parents would appreciate some of those kind of um, support as well with the kind of uh, all the physical activities so if there was this kind of production of, of simple exercises, simple games, simple things, that it would work both in the UK and abroad. So, you know, I think there's some benefit in that both. Yes, a very good point. I just, because uh, Ross wasn't on the uh, podcast last week, that's one of the things we highlighted, Ross, um, having some creative videos out there so parents right. could see how to utilise spaces within their homes to do physical activity. So that's definitely a good point that we can all have some impact in moving forward and share with <coughs> Keisha and Grenada and our parents in the UK. Tailoring it to the, the students' needs, I mean, there are some good examples online. Um, I know Willpower are currently doing some adaptive yoga for wheelchair users. So there are some innovative ideas out there. It's just highlighting them and putting idea, ideas across together and um, putting them out there on these uh, networks. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Keisha, we've got um, David, who's a parent. I mean, is there anything you would like to ask him? Or David, is there any sort of, you know, words you might be able to give Keisha to, to, to give her, her parents in terms of, if I'm just thinking about 
roughly a lot of the parents, they don't have the spaces that we may have in our houses, some of them. And you know, what does that look like? And do you know what I mean? So that Dave is currently, you know, it's, it's difficult for, for anyone at the best of times, but he's having some experience here. There might be something you might be able to give Keisha or vice versa, Keisha, do you know what I mean? You might be able to hear from what David's um, personal experiences are. Um, I, I, I say something there to start with. Um, I, I'll talk in the context of my son initially, and I suppose with, with a lot of these kids with autism and with special needs, social interaction isn't always a strong point with them. And, and in fact, with the majority of them, they struggle with it. And I suppose the thing about a lot of the sports are involve, you know, some form of social interaction in some way or other. So I think in the context of my son, it, it was trying to get a sport that met his needs. And that Jonathan touched on that point that somebody did earlier on. Okay, we could talk about this in the context of the, of the lockdown, or we could talk about it just in the broader context. If we just talk about it in the broader context of the minute, I mean, in the case of my son, we tried different sports, but a sport that he really sort of uh, honed in on and now really enjoys is rock climbing. Okay, I, I know that out in Grenada you may not have those facilities, but just to give an example, what rock climbing does for him, he had a lot of OT issues, and in particular he had issues associated with bilateral integration and so on. And he also had issues to do with upper, upper torso strength, and that in turn affected his attention levels. What the rock climbing done, it, it has increased his upper body strength and it has meant that um, he's had to, he's had to, you know, overcome this bilateral integration or indeed, you know, he has to sort of tackle it head on, on the wall because as he's on the wall, he's got to, you know, do certain stretches with his hands to reach the, the, the various um, points and so on. So, okay, that that's, Probably not the best example, but it's just an example of how a particular sport helped him. Now, it sounds like out there, there's a lot of kids, you know, with 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 a with a broad range of needs. Maybe not that many facilities, but whatever sort of package we put together, we've got to think through maybe grouping the kids into particular categories. Now, obviously, not every child is the same, but if there are particular sports like individual sports that offer particular OT benefits to, to some of the children, then, you know, it's it's that type of thing. It's trying to get, you know, that structure to it. R rather than, you know, and I'm not being facetious about it, rather than, you know, putting five or six kids, if you like, just playing catch, you know, okay, it has its benefits, but it's trying to tailor it. I, I This is just my personal view on it, trying to tailor it again, you know, to meet the needs of the kids. That, that, that's all I wanted to say. Sorry, Mark, can I just jump in there, mate? Because something David uh, said there really was spot on. Um, and what we found is we have a partner uh, in Ernie Els. We actually have a specific autism program. And the way we monitor it is actually, you're right, it's social interaction and communication alongside a low-impact individual sport. We have found great success with non-verbal students and verbal students. Um, through little cards we have here and we've got a 12-week curriculum that focuses on small groups interacting individual and learning sharing rotation and all, everything's tailored to the individual um, and we capture those students who don't do well in the team scenario 
So David Osler said, I've reached out to you. I've heard some good news, hopefully, today, that golf may be back on the agenda in two weeks' time. And as we have a venue in Hertfordshire, it'd be great to have you down one afternoon or one evening or one morning and just to try out. And I'll, I'll volunteer my services to coach and, uh, and see how we get on with yourself and your son. Um, because uh, as well as rock climbing, the, golf is a fantastic sport. Outdoors, calming and that sort of stuff for, for a lot of kids with SEN. Yeah, I think there's, there's one other point with that, which is golf and rock climbing. And I don't know whether you have skiing in Grenada, but, <laughs> but that's what we do. But the thing is, our activity is, is what we... Yeah, water skiing, that would be good. Our activity is what we class as cross-body activity, you know, where you're never balanced. You've got one foot up, one foot down, similar to... And it's, you know, it's incredibly positive for additional needs students. In fact, when I started the business what, eight and a half years ago, there was a very good report, which was a US report about, uh, by Autism Speaks, which was all purely about cross-body activity and what positive benefit it actually has. And I think mm -hmm. the area of golf, the area of, of rock climbing, you know, all the areas that, that Johnston talks about that we could put together as a sort of, you know, where you're talking about all of the variants on a cross-body activity, which isn't, it's not a football game and stuff. These could be individually then tailored to, to individual students. I think would be fantastic. Great thing to do. Just um, from the village point of view, we, do, we have got a um, very individualised P curriculum. So we've broken it down into sports pathways. So our sports pathway two cohort is, is firmly focusing on our autistic students. So we have um, sensory processing within this. And what we find is that our students will work on the sensory um, pieces of equipment such as trampolining and scooter boards. And then after that, they will take part in games activities, maybe striking and fielding cricket activities. And they engage within these activities for longer periods of time because it's a stimulation of their inner ear. So like David was saying, it's about very individualised personal pathways for each student and finding out what's best for them. Okay. You know, guys, just to say something really quickly. Um, I'm glad that, you know, you guys are speaking about it because one of the problems that the parents has and nobody paid attention to it until COVID-19 and the children is sitting home, is that most of the children, probably 95% of the special needs children, they don't have any resources at home. Even thing as simple as a ball. It was so surprising to know that they didn't even have a ball at home to play with. Because, you know, the parents would send the, the materials to school, so then they use it at school, and material even at blocks some of them don't even have blocks or crayons and stuff like that they purchased it send it to school and they didn't keep anything at home so now it's really difficult for the parent because that would mean that the children have not been doing anything home with them and now the transition would be even harder for the children to understand okay you're home and now we'll need to do some playing and some coloring but they're not accustomed to doing that at home because the resources were never there well how many, how many students do you have? Especially students on the, I mean, in the schools? Yeah. So about 170 to 175 students. Does that include the, so some students obviously from the Grenada Down Syndrome, so say from Marta, are in mainstream ed? Including mainstream ed, would the number be upwards of six, 700, do you think? Who have additional needs in mainstream education, perhaps? 
Yes, the numbers would definitely climb because there are still a lot of children. There are even some children at home. I had one, a new one last night, not knowing that that child never went to school. He's now about 30 years old. Wow. But he had never went to school. And Keisha, I just wanted to ask you a question in terms of like students being diagnosed with SCN needs. Do parents aware of this? How has that been impacted with in Grenada? Because I know when I was coming over there that they hadn't actually been many diagnoses for SCN. We're still in that boat. So much of the parents, many of the parents, they don't know, okay, what, you know, the child is diagnosed with. Most of them will say, no, they know the child is autistic. And based on what the doctor probably would have told him, and that's only some of them. So, quick example: if you invite them to a meeting or a conference and you ask them to put the child disability, they wouldn't know what to put. Okay. Can I ask something? Then, um, when the diagnosis, who gives the diagnosis for funding? To a doctor, or I'm a bit no, lost. No, for, for um, education, do you get um, funding? Additional yeah. funding? No, no. no. So what can we do to help with provision of resources? Like for example, the, the document um, you sent me this morning, Margaret, about living at home with COVID-19 for, the, for, for people. I think we can share that with Keisha to expand. Well, she's already been CC'd into that because Perfect. I made sure she was. Perfect. But we have lots and lots of different resources that I know I can make available that may support in the, not the physical part, because... I'm not very physical, but um, for educational and emotional, I feel we can, we can definitely support in that area. I think print, I know from my time there, printing's an issue. So getting things printed in Grenada in bulk is sometimes an issue. And that's something that I've got a contact here that if we, if we have, say, we need 10,000, 5,000 okay. documents yeah. and we can get them out there, we can assist with getting the actual physical documents made, printed, and then I know Otis, I believe, has got contact with, is it still there with the cargo to get stuff out there, Otis? Yeah, yeah, it's the still shipping. there. Yeah. So we can get the physical documents for you, Keisha, printed here yeah. um, that are required and shipped out there. As Michael said, teaching the teacher trainer, uh, all this stuff becomes easier once we have resources physically on the ground as well. Mm. Yeah, and I think it's important when we're asking, when we're giving advice that we're really aware of exactly what resources people have because yeah. um, I remember when I went out to Ghana and worked with our sister school out there and we had all these ideas in our head and then we got there and we thought okay actually we, it just you've got to start with the basics here so we Absolutely. we thought about um, the attention autism approach that we used in our school but we had to adapt it a lot and look at the basic resources they had in the markets there that they could easily access for an affordable amount yeah. of money and then adapt our teaching style to that and when we were able to do that it was fantastic because all the teachers could really get on board with what we were suggesting but it would be really good for us that haven't been to Grenada to have that deeper level of understanding of the resources and facilities and the and the funding and things available. Can I help out there with a little conversation then if that's possible? Um, I've been to Grenada numerous times because the, the, the education system there is want of a better term, needing a lot of support. The, you know, there was very little in the way of equipment, very little in the way of resourcing. Um, simple examples would be if you were talking about technology, you know, most schools would be lucky if they had two computers when, when I first went out there. And a lot of schools still don't have computers. They don't have libraries. Uh, a wood tech room would be made up of a saw and a hammer. You know, it, it really 
was quite basic and, and the curriculum itself was needing a, a tremendous amount of support and work to be done. Uh, and I think that's, that's really where a lot of work can come from the UK to support Grenada with that because, you know, putting the structures in, I mean, there is no national curriculum there, for example. You, you could literally teach volcanoes every year of your life from being a two-year-old through to being 21 in the schools there. So it, uh, I'm just trying to be very supportive in what I'm saying. I'm not knocking Grenada by that. I'm just saying that the level of support that is required um, that schools in the UK could clearly do is provide those kind of programs of study and break those programs of study into topics by years and years and years because they, they don't run a, a national curriculum type system. The, the, in fact, my first ever visit, I once asked a teacher, where are your records of what you've taught this year? And she pointed to her forehead. And, and she was being clear about that. There was no documentation. Now, I know it's moved on quite a lot since then, but if you're asking the question as a group, um, for parents, for the schools, the UK system, uh, even though it does get knocked, there is real structure to it. And I think that's something we've said so many times about working with our children, that they need structure. Therefore, the teachers need structure, the system needs structure. And if we can help in, in putting that in place, uh, I think we'll, we'll make huge inroads into both Grenada and supporting our parents here. Yeah, but can I just say what Kai says and that small steps is definitely the way forward. But we're all going to need different curriculums when this is over anyway. We can't go back with the way we are. We need to change our curriculum to reflect what everybody has been through. So you know, it's going to change and alter anyway. But with a blank canvas, Keisha, it's much more creative. So we can develop an education curriculum for you. We all know we want to have, at least be trying to work in environments that mm. are conducive to us achieving the results that we're trying to do. Yeah, And I think absolutely. one of the steps that we could take there is by inviting a minister into this forum because they need to hear this to understand what um, Keisha is facing. This is the sort of thing that makes a difference and that is something that could be used that could strengthen what Keisha's doing. So these are different ways in which we can use this platform to affect what's going on uh, over there. I think it's been healthy what we've been talking about here and it's been really good. Just one point I'll make is that, um, you know, over the years, one thing I've noted anyway is the key sort of the key part that occupational therapy plays in relation to sin and autism. And, you know, the, um, there may not be extensive access or any access to occupational therapy out there, but, you know, that is something that is key. Both, and, and Kate will, will sort of verify this both you know it's not just from a medical perspective but from an educational perspective you know to understand the needs of the ch of the children and you know not and indeed you know linking it back into the sport that that is absolutely key i, I didn't realize it myself until you know but as my son got older it, i began to see how important it really is it's one of the key therapies that communication is also one of the keys I think um, with the occupational therapy, um, the way that we've worked a lot with our therapists is, is making sure that they come into the classroom to see how the lessons and activities are designed 
and they suggest equipment and they suggest activity adaptations to make sure that all of the learners are really ready to learn. And I think that's a, an amazing impact of occupational therapy in yeah. every single lesson. Just in terms of the village school, um, we're actually lucky to enough to have a big transdisciplinary team. And within the RP lessons, we have an inclusive environment where our, our, our OTs and our physical management strategy team work with us in PE so their child is getting a holistic approach and it's really made a difference to their uh, progress and learning in terms yeah. of physical and cognitive ability. Yeah, so that's that's really the discipline with, with the key know-how, I think, is, is a key point. And Keisha may well be aware of that, but again, it's just reiterating it here. I think it's important. No, it's, a good, it's a good point, it's David. It's a very good point. Keisha, we thank you so much. You've given us a perspective. Yeah. You're welcome to come and join us. We're doing this at the moment weekly in fact we do need to see you next week because you're going to have some grenadian families on here as well as uk <laughs> yeah. families when we're going out there's only one key message who's going to say it this week kate's turn she's on go on then kate come on kate you are not alone thank you very much see you all next week bye-bye bye thanks for listening if you'd like to ask a question or be a guest on one of our future podcasts, please feel free to contact us at yana at jasonrobertsfoundation.org. That's yana at jasonrobertsfoundation.org.